Welcome back to another episode of Thought Pioneering, part of the Freedom Cast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Shiansky, and in this episode, we are going to be finishing up the last part of the three-part series regarding psychological safety and how it can impact creativity and innovation in the workplace. I, again, have Jane Arinea helping us with the conversation today. So, Jane, glad to have you back for the last episode. Oh! Oh my god i can't believe this is the last episode Kyle. it's been so much fun it has been so i definitely enjoy our conversations over the past uh, two episodes and and just for those at home we we try to record these all at once so it was it was a lot of fun we spent a lot of time on this and uh i'm very happy to, to for one to to finish up the series but also to kind of tie a nice bow on it so if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first two episodes of this series pause this now go check out ep- the the episode of what is psych safety and then the second episode of how individual contributors can contribute or how we can create a safe environment. And then for this episode, what we're going to be talking about is part three, boosting psychological safety in the workplace. So Jane, or we'll go ahead and jump right in with the first topic. One of the things that, that I know that we've been talking and discussing about is the leader's ability to influence the environment. And, and, and a team, but also the, the ability to impact psych safety. So let's go ahead and kick it off there. What are some things that we can do to soften that power distance? Yeah, well, you know, it always boggled my mind about how much weight people put on their titles and where they sit on the organization chart, right? And this, this authoritative autocratic approach is no longer going to work right? Moving people away from that command control. So I, I think that the the larger the distance between, you know, like a CEO and your front line, the likelihood of psychological safety will be less, right? Because we, of course, we're naturally, we want to make a good impression, especially to top senior, senior people. So if I'm a new employee and I'm starting for the first time and I come into work on my first day of work and I've got the senior vice president sitting in the room, right? I'm going to be very mindful of how I'm coming across, right? So that psychological safety because of hierarchy and authority is is already in existence. So I do think that because that exists, that leaders at all levels need to be mindful of it, first of all, but second of all, to really create an environment and go and show some human, human touches with your employees and say good morning and find out more about them. So really in the absence of hierarchy, we're talking more about human to human interaction here. And that's a great point too, because we, when we think about leaders, the last thing you want to do as a leader is be a <laughs> manager. Uh, so last thing you want to do as a leader is, is become part and you lose that human component is what I'm trying to say is the last thing you would do is you lose that human touch. I've always valued leaders that have, been more personal um, and you'll have the, those personal connections with them. And I know in, in the olden days, yeah, the leader isn't someone that you would go out to happy hour with, or mm. you would have a conversation. Hey, how, how are your kids doing? Or how are your dogs? You would, your leader is somebody that hired and fired you and gave you your evaluation at the end of the year. Yeah. And so yeah. I think, and I've seen that, that kind of, that, that the relationship between the employee and the, and the boss, if you will, change over the past decade to where now the leader is more of a, a personal connection. And I've seen teams that they have teams that have very strong relationships with their leaders tend to perform better. Yes, and absolutely. There's nothing wrong. I mean, there's still the professionalism that we still have to maintain, but there's nothing wrong with 
sending your leader a text to say, Hey, look, I'm out skydiving this weekend or Hey, you know what? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, at least that's my take on it. And, mm. and it's just as a leader demonstrating that humility, like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a human. I make mistakes that's too. Right. Um, and right. we talked about this in, in the past two episodes already, when it comes to creating that safe environment to try new things and fail and learn as a leader, you have to be able to demonstrate that humility and say, look, I failed too. not brag that's about right. it. Don't brag about your failures, but talk about, Hey, I've, I've been in a situation that's similar to what you may be going through. I, talk to me. I, I might, I can understand. I can, I can be where you are. Let's have that conversation. How can I help you get through that? How can I help you break through those barriers? And as a leader, yeah. remove those barriers. And I think that really helps, um, in the, uh, in old, in some organizations that tend to be a little bit more old school, it's very uncommon or it's kind of frowned upon if I'm an individual contributor. So I'm a front level, frontline level employee for me to reach out to two or three levels up to, Hey, mm. can I pick your brain? I want to learn more about leadership. Can I pick your brain on leadership? Like when I, I want to learn more about decision-making, can I pick your brain? No, you have to email uh, my, I have to go through my manager and then the manager has to go through the director, the director has to go through the VP and then, okay, maybe we'll get that. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. We, we be, become good at managing impressions. We become good at managing the politics, right? Now think about it. That stifles a lot, right? When, when people are holding back because of it, that stifles creativity, it stifles ideas, and it stifles people bringing their full selves to work. Yeah. So, and in the past, right, we've been trained leaders, don't let them see you sweat. You're supposed to have all the answers, like all of that garbage that I just yeah. don't agree with anymore. Like, no, that's not effective because I think when you want people to show up safely, right, psychologically safe, you've got to show the human side of yourself as a leader as well. And as a leader, being able to, uh, so I'm trying to frame this one, but being able to give your employees the opportunity to shine. A lot of yeah. times, and this is, I saw this a lot with uh, traditional style of, of like how organizations tend to lead. The employees do all the work. It rolls up to the next level leader. Mm -hmm. The next level will take it to the next level, go up the chain. I was very fortunate to have early on in my career uh, when I was still like trying, I'm still am trying and failing a lot, but I had the opportunity to work on a, an unorthodox project and it, they brought me in to basically create some slides that had a way to tell the story from some data. I didn't know what it was, the journey was going to take me on, but my leader at that time put me in front of the CEO of the company. It's a yeah. fortune 500 company, put me in front of the CEO. And that CEO said to me, thanks for challenging us. I'm like, mm. <laughs> like I'm sitting here sweating. I had to put my, you know, yeah. I had to put me, you know, talking about sport coats or I had to put my sport coat on, had a, a blazer in my closet for the day, had to iron it or steam it. Yeah. But it was one of those things to where they gave me the opportunity to shine. They, for one, the leader didn't really know what I knew. So he was like, why don't you just, why don't you just tell it to the CEO? Mm. I'm like, that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I don't know. I, I didn't know how to have that conversation. So he coached me along. Hey, here's some things that he likes that he looks out for. Here's how to articulate a little bit clearer. They, they didn't just throw me in uh, they just yeah. didn't feed me to the wolves. But I found that very empowering to say, well, that's a great leader then Kyle, yes, right there. Yes. You know, I was very thankful for that, for that moment. I learned mm -hmm. a lot along the way. But it was also just demonstrating the humility from that leader to say, I don't know how to speak to what you do. For one, I don't even know what you do. I just let you do what you need to do and, and you, you do things. And so that they, yeah. they all, they come out. Okay. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to impede on your process. So why don't you come in and why don't you talk to these senior executives? And I did, I got to work at the senior executive level uh, for about two months in the summertime. Mm -hmm. That was, that was my summer project. 
And it was great, but it was also very empowering. Yeah. Well, and some leaders, and that's really, you know, rooted in insecurity when leaders try to manage that. And, you know, you can't go directly to the CEO. Come on. Like, so yeah. that's really rooted in insecurity. And, and we know that the best leaders are, are confident, right? And they let their team shine because it's a reflection of them too as leaders. But I have to say leadership is not an easy task. Like it's not an easy job. It can be very difficult when you're leading a team of people at different levels of capability, emotions, like people are complicated, yeah. right? And so I, I think that, you know, leaders need to have the tools and equipped. And again, it goes back to emotional intelligence. That's what the most effective leaders have is emotional intelligence, which really separates the great ones from the good ones, right? And vulnerability was never something that belonged in the workplace in the past. And I think that's really changing now as we become more of a human-centric type of, um, you know, workplace, right? And, and it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay for a leader to say, you know what? I don't know how to handle this, but I'd love to tap into all of your ideas. It's okay to say that. We don't have to have all the answers. I've worked for leaders that have, quote unquote, known all the answers. And I've worked for leaders that have been real. And I've worked for leaders that have striked the balance in the middle. And I will respect a leader who I will always respect. And I, and I know I stay away from absolutes, but I'll, I'll use that one this time. I will always respect a leader who's real than a leader who is always right. And right. I, I will follow them <laughs> wherever. And I know that's kind of, maybe it's that blind ignorance of me speaking, but it's, I will follow you into battle if I respect you that much, because I know you have my best interest in, in mind. And I know that you've also had your trials. You've also had your failures as well. And there's also something I can learn from you. That's, that's when, I, when I look at a leader to, to, to follow, um, whether it be for a new role or uh, mm. maybe a mentor, I look at someone that I know I can learn from. Yes. And it also has my best interest in, in, in the top of their mind, but also that it's going to help me get to the next stage that I want to get to. And right. it's, it's, it's like, and I don't want to say it's like a partnership, but it kind of is. Like the, the leadership and the leader employee is also a partnership because it's an employee your goal is to help them get to reach their right. goals. Like I, if I'm hiring someone for a company, I want to make sure they can help me. The whole goal is to help get like to advance. Um, and so for me is, is I'm also hiring, if I'm a leader, hiring an employee that can help me achieve my goals. And I, I do that. I'm not saying I, I do that through them, but you, you kind of mm. do, you, you socially motivate your team to achieve those results. That's kind of the key to leadership. That's right. That's right. You know, there's a great quote that Simon Sinek says, and he said, you as a leader are not responsible for results. You're responsible for the people who are responsible for results. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great mindset to have, because when you think that way, then you engage and interact with your people differently. You become a better coach. You give feedback to help them succeed, right? And I often, and I've seen this in the past, and I've even had leaders like this where they pull rank when they're giving me feedback mm. or they pull rank because they want something done it's like okay well what you're doing there as leaders you're borrowing strength you're borrowing strength from your rank in the organization or your title or your position of authority and that to me is really a sign of weakness if you have to borrow strength because great leadership is about influence it's not about exercising your power or authority and maybe I'll, maybe we just, I'm going to throw this out there. We could chew on it for a little bit if we want, but sometimes I think an effective leader is a leader that everyone knows their team and not mm -hmm. their, their name. 
And so yeah. if I'm a leader and I'm an effective, and that's my, my mind um, when it comes to humility, I'd rather the organization know who the team is rather than, Oh, who's, who's leads them. Like, no, who's the mm. team? Cause at the, at, at the end of the day, like they're the ones doing the job and I want them to succeed. Um, maybe, yeah, sure. My name will come up as I'm like, Oh, they're an effective leader, but I really want my team to succeed. I want them to be, I'm, I'm already where I want to be. I want to make sure I want to get them right. to where they want to be. So. That's right. That's right. And, and quite honestly, like when I work with leaders who are very human, okay, again, shortening that power distance, mm-hmm. I forget that they're in a position of authority. I am more engaged and motivated. And I also feel psychologically safe to be vulnerable myself. Oh, absolutely. And to be human myself. So it's, it's amazing the impact that our leaders behaviors have on us to mirror back, right? We model that. But if I had a leader who wasn't like that, then I'd be a little bit guarded. Yeah. I'd back ideas. I'd stay silent. I would be, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want my coworkers or my leader to see me that, you know, that I'm struggling with a task. Okay. And that's not a healthy environment, quite honestly, because then people start to hide mistakes mm-hmm. or, you know, and then you get into self-preservation mode again, you feel fear and that doesn't have benefits to the brain and how you behave. And then that doesn't have benefits to the organization. Thinking back to as well, as we start thinking about, you know, the leaders being more human and having, showing that humility as well and humbleness too, that that's another mm-hmm. big one being humble. One of the, I, the things that can help with boosting the psychological safety is supporting the team, being able to share information with amongst themselves. And our last yeah. episode, we talked about the importance that, that psych safety has on just a team within itself, not just like the mm-hmm. leadership is one thing. Then you have the team level. So why is it important for the leader to support team information sharing to create a psychologically safe environment? Well, I think, I think we need to have trust in our team members as well, because otherwise if you're in a, a state of anxiety, it causes stress mm-hmm. and people start to shut down and we get into the self-preservation mode. So I think it's important that we share information with each other, whether it's an idea that I think would benefit my coworker or whether it's giving feedback, you know, opening up those lines of communication and and ensuring that we have relationships of high trust um, is is critical, right? Um, So this anxiety, we're already going into the workplace with stress. And I would love to be able to go into work and not feel that added stress because I don't trust my team or because I'm not clear of what's expected of me or my leader is, you know, has high expectations and I can't deliver, you know? So I think an environment in the workplace that's, you know, where you feel good about yourself is a, is a healthy way to go. So it's an interesting point you bring up too about anxiety and that'll kind of take us into our next topic, which is mitigating anxiety. Mm-hmm. When, when we come into work stressed, uh, we already start our day with high anxiety. I mean, let's be honest, life itself can just create anxiety. Absolutely. Driving, yes. driving to work. I live in Houston and uh, thankfully, I, I, <laughs> I know and we always joke it. Houston's an hour away from Houston. Uh, thankfully, I work for a company where we're hundred percent remote. I don't have to drive. My commute every morning is down the stairs, which is still, you know, I could still take a tumble depending on right. you know how right. awake I am, but I used to drive into work. I would get into work stressed because yes. uh, it was a, you have that, well, I got to be in my seat like 8 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever it may be. And, and somebody got into a wreck, ruined my day. And <laughs> thankfully I had understanding leaders, but I would, 
sometimes the traffic out of your control gets in the way. You mm-hmm. come into work stressed. What does that do? Well, that impacts my whole day. And we talked about emotional intelligence too. Um, if right. I come into work high stress, high anxiety, how am I going to react when things don't go well for that day? A lot of times we're putting out fires. Well, how I put out that fire might be different. Mm. As a leader, if I come in high anxiety, and yes. what? How does that impact the uh, the? How does that impact my influence on the environment that I can create for right, my team? Right. Well, my gosh, I know right away when my leader comes in and they're anxious and stressed, I pick up on that energy, right? Yeah. There's a social contagion, right? You know, I had a leader once that our day depended on the mood she was in. Really? Oh my gosh, yes. Because sometimes she would be so stressed, but it would extend to all of us as team as team members. And we'd, we'd stay in our offices and we'd work and put our head down, you know? And we found that every time she was off, we were actually more productive, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and here's here's a question for you, Kyle. Do you think we should have fun at work? I do. I <laughs> I think it depends on the type of work too. I mean, yeah. if if you're at a if you're in a factory and you have to manufacture cars, yeah, have fun. But like, make sure you're still yeah. doing the right, like doing your job up to up to spec. But yeah, if you make work fun, yes, it makes it so much easier. That's right. You know, and that helps mitigate anxiety. Like yeah. if I if I enjoy working with my team and. I love the work that I'm doing. This brings me joy. So now all of a sudden I go into work and I'm looking forward to going into work. Absolutely. I'm going to show up positively and I'm going to show up engaged. But if I show up to work every day and I'm stressed because, you know, my day depends on my boss's mood or I'm working with so-and-so and and I don't always enjoy working with so-and-so, you know, that's going to affect how I show up and how I do my work. You know, I've, so I recently switched roles and I'm joking now because you say find something, have fun at work. I don't think I've worked for the past two and a half months. I don't know. I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> uh, I love it. Anything? I so know what you mean. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm going into work every day, honestly, because we love what we do, right? We yeah. enjoy it. We love our team and, you know, and it's such a joy. It actually adds to my life. It honestly. does. You know? So, I mean, God, I imagine a workplaces, like workplaces in general to be that. It Why is. add to people's stress? And I know I said the comment about the factory earlier. It's okay to have fun in a factory type environment. I mean, the fun that you have can be more of a competitive fun. We, mm. uh, I used to intern for the National Weather Service. I, a long time ago, I wanted to be a, a meteorologist. And uh, we, I'd interned at the, the National Weather Service and in high school. My, I got to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and get to the, the, the location by 4 a.m. And we launched weather. I got to launch weather balloons. I got certified in upper air observation. It was a lot of fun. I, re- I really did enjoy it. But... Who, like, what high school kid would wake up at four in the morning? And then I was also yeah. in band. So in, in football season, I would wake up. That was just the easiest way for me to be awake. Go to the weather service, launch a weather balloon, get to band practice <laughs> in time in the morning. But we had a, a fun competition. And we always tried to see who could fly their balloons the highest. And right. we had the top dog award. And you have this log book. And it was, it was old. You know, we had you know, 10, 15 years in this log book of people that had all the, the highest flights. And I, I don't know if they still have it there. I would love to go back one day and see if they have it. But I actually made Top Dog one month where I had the highest flight. And wow. they, it was it was like a competitive thing where yeah. you'd be watching the monitors just because, you know, when the balloon pops, the thing starts descending. The We call it a radio mm-hmm. zone. The radio zone would start descending at a rapid rate. And then the computer would say, OK, that's it. The balloon's been terminated. Here's your data set. So we would be watching it. We know it's like 
we knew the exact like millibar of what they tend to pop at. So anytime we went, I think for instance, it was like eight millibars was like the highest yeah. it went. And it goes so like in order, like we're at, I don't know, a hundred or a thousand millibars at surface sea level. Eight millibars is really high in the atmosphere. And I got mine to 4.5 millibars, which is almost like, man, this thing almost made it to outer space, you know? And so, wow. but it was that, but that kind of added joy and fun, oh, right? To, oh, it was awesome. In every day. Yeah. yeah. To, to, a, and, and how, how much fun is it to look at a computer monitor and look at numbers come in and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun, but in a factory environment too, you can add that kind of competitiveness where like, all right, who had yeah. the best numbers or the best quality, who had the highest turnaround, who had the least amount of defects. Let's make the quality control part of that mm. process fun. So. If your people are having fun you can see they're having fun and they're laughing and they're getting along and they're joking with each other, that's a really good sign. Yeah. You know, so this notion of, you know what, put your head down, do your work. I, that's like old school. That's like outdated. So there's so many things that we, we have to look at the future of workplaces and what people want and need from the workplace this command and control and this large power distance between authority and employees, that's all going away. You know, I don't want to come into work and feel that stress and anxiety. That's not, and we're, we're more selective with where we work now. And to that point too, when we talk about like the power distance, um, we, when it comes to managing the anxiety for you, they're mitigating the anxiety for your team that they may feel when it comes to having an environment that may not be psychologically safe. One of the things that you can do as a leader is normalize those vulnerabilities related yeah. to your role. We talked about yeah. humility and being human a little bit earlier in this episode. We had another episode talked about failing and successfully failing what that looks like. As a leader, what can we do to normalize those vulnerabilities that are related to my leadership role so that the team members know it's okay. Mm. Like yeah. this is all part of the learning process. Yeah, well, you know, we, we made reference to this in past podcasts, but I think it's very important to appreciate our people as whole people. Yeah. Well, like, I'll give you an example. I have a friend and she works for an organization where you got to be at your desk for 8 a.m. Mm. And in fact, throughout the interview process, they said to her that if you're not at your desk at 7.30, that means you're late. Well, wait a second. I start at 8, right? So she's got some young children. And there are times where she's challenged with getting them out the door or getting them ready. And it causes her to be a little late, but that she's already going into work stressed because if I'm not at my desk by 7.30, then I'm going to be stressed. So I think we need to appreciate that we all have our challenges at home. We've got things that we're dealing with and that, that we as managers are not aware of. And if we get very rigid with you got to be at your desk for 8 a.m. or 7.30 if otherwise you're late, even though your shift starts at 8, yeah. well, gosh, that's going to create stress for me because I've got my children that I need to take care of. So embracing the whole person is absolutely critical. We need to normalize um, you know, people saying things like, you know what, I'm struggling getting my babysitter, um, you know, getting my kids to my babysitter. Or whatever, we need to normalize. We need to be safe enough to be able to be honest and to say those those things to our employer. Yeah, because hey, the last thing we want to do, again, I brought this up in an earlier episode where we, people nowadays, it's it's not uncommon to live paycheck to paycheck. And mm-hmm. you, you start messing with people's livelihoods or way of living, they tend to play it safe. And if yeah. you want to be a competitive, if you're in a competitive market and 
you want to be a competitive company and you hire these people because of what they, the value they bring to the table, yeah. but then you shut them down from bringing new ideas up, then mm. you're not, you're spinning your tires as an organization. That's right. right. That's right. But if I'm not feeling valued as a whole person, right. I mean, when we hire people, we don't just hire their minds, right. Yeah. And their body. Okay. You're, you're hiring their hearts and their spirit. So you got to embrace them as whole people that, yeah, we do have challenges at home. We do have a personal life and we need to respect that. And, and I think that leaving your problems at home when you come into work, I don't know if that's even true anymore. Well, cause I really don't, I think, yeah, cause technology nowadays too, it's, it's, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse. It's kind of hard to leave those problems at home. Yeah. Uh, when we didn't have cell phones and I was thankful enough to enjoy both worlds there where we didn't have cell phones. Um, you didn't really know what was going on when, unless like the only, t- your download was when you came back home, Hey, what happened today? I couldn't text you throughout right. the day and let you know how my day was going. So yeah. it, a lot of that, it's hard to kind of leave the, the work stuff at home and, and as people and as leaders, we also need to recognize that and say, Hey, I have no idea what you're going through. I can't assume, right. I can't assume things. And, and that's really that, that psychological safety really kicks in. And it's like, I can't assume that everything's perfect or hunky dory in your world as a leader, my job is to, to, again, to help you feel safe, but also to help uncover some of these things. So maybe I can remove some barriers. What can I do right now that I help you in this, in this time? It may not be like personally, but it may be like, what can I do? Like, is there something that I can take off your plate that maybe we can have somebody else do that way? You don't feel like you have to take everything on. You don't have to feel that burden. And that's right. That's right. Now, on the flip side of that, though, Kyle, too, is that if I'm stressed at work, I take that stuff home. Oh, yeah. How could you separate that, right? Like, how could you separate? There's me. There's Jane. This is what I experienced today. Had a bad day at work. My boss was stressful. And, you know, then I go home and I, I interact with my husband differently. Let's be real here. So you take that stuff home. So I think that this work-life integration is really, really more of what it's about. It's not the separation. We don't compartmentalize that way anymore. So when we think about vulnerability too, uh, what are some, any other additional tips that you'd like to throw out there or just any shout outs you'd like to give? Well, I, I really want to thank the work of Renee Brown and her work around vulnerability and making it okay to be vulnerable and And if we can get leaders to understand that being vulnerable is not a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength, then it will enable us to relate to each other and to our teams from human to human. Yeah. It's really just, again, putting putting that human element back in the workplace, I think is critical if you want people to show up and bring their best selves. And I, I go back to what um, what Craig Rochelle says is, is people will always follow a leader who is real versus a leader who is always right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's about that authenticity of, yes. of people. And I think leaders try to put on the facade, you know, I got to look tough. I got to be, you know, I got to have all the answers and they put armor on. And to me, I just, I right away, I, I disrespect people like that mm-hmm. because that to me is not authentic. And if you're not authentic, I can't trust you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Jane. Well, I appreciate your time. That wraps up this episode of Thought Pioneering. <laughs> and wow, what a, it's, so we've been, this is our third episode. So it'd be yeah. over three months that we've had these, these conversations that have been coming out. So I definitely appreciate your time. Hopefully I get to have you on another episode oh in the God, future. Anytime. Yeah. 
love, love, love this. I just love that we're having conversations about important things. It is. It's a lot of fun. And for me, I always love talking to uh, people. <laughs> I like talking to people. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> my wife calls me a little social butterfly, but right? <laughs> yeah. And in, in other words, I think she calls me like an extrovert or something like that. I don't know. But <laughs> she knows I like to talk to people and I just like getting just having conversations and learning because that's part of the learning process for me is the curiosity element comes in of what, okay, what can I learn more about this topic? And there are a lot of other people out there that know way more than I do. And I, my goal is to get them on this podcast so we could talk about those things. So I, I definitely appreciate your time, Jane. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. All right. Thank you, Kyle. This was fun. For the listeners out there, if you like this episode, feel free to smash that like icon and share this podcast with your friends and family. And if you want to be notified when we launch more content from this channel, then ring that bell icon to receive alerts when new episodes drop. We'll see you next time on Thought Pioneering.